Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and it is NCAA tournament time. The Arizona Wildcats, men's and women's. Arizona is one of the only programs in the country, if not. I'm trying to remember the, the image I saw. Like one of the few programs in the country that has both men's and women's in the tournament. Arizona is the one seed, as we expected. Uh, the men's, the women are a four seed. They're hosting some games at the McHale Center, which is really cool. Um, Brett, let's start with the men's team, though. They're coming off the Pac-12 tournament, where we we talked last week how. It'd be nice to win it, but it wasn't necessary. You thought they had to win a game to make sure they were a one seed. I didn't think they had to. Obviously, it's a moot point. They won the whole damn thing. But more than anything, like I said, I want them to get out of this thing healthy. They did not. But the fact that they didn't almost gives me more confidence as they head into the NCAA tournament. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, you know. Everybody's on Kirk Carissa daily ankle update watch. He's on it. He sends out. The- <laughs> you know, I think I think he enjoys the attention. Oh sure. Um, I, I love that some people are like, oh, that's a Photoshop thing, or I don't know. Is it? Is he trying to pull a Kurt Schilling with the uh, milking the the ankle that people are gonna complain about later? But you know, in terms of the in terms of the the Pac-12 tournament, the the way Arizona just you know beat some decent teams like UCLA is a good team. They're really a one on one. They're, they're, they're inherently a one-on-one ISO team that when they're, when they're playing at their best, they're tough to beat because bluntly they're unguardable, but you saw some interesting things Arizona did there using God King, Christian Coloco on, on guys like Jaime Hawkes as an atypical defensive matchup and Hawkes still got some shots, but like, you know, it was difficult hit, on him. <laughs> yeah. If, if he's going to hit, you know, make five moves and then hit a turnaround fadeaway where he's fading like five feet. Like if Christian Coloco can't stop it, you can't stop it. Right. But, uh, Arizona just pulled together as a team. Uh, my, my, you know, me and Ronnie, uh, tried to out Dale and Terry hipster each other last week <laughs> on the show. And he proved our, uh, our hipster cred, uh, and playing, he played a lot of the point with Kirk. Carissa right. Out. And, and that's, that's one thing I want to get at here because Arizona, of course they beat Stanford 84, 80 was a very close game, uncomfortably close. I never thought Arizona was going to lose, but like, you're like, okay, Stanford's a nine seed. Come on. Of course we just saw a week before Arizona had a little bit of issue with Stanford too. It's, we thought it was the first, whatever. You come out Colorado, another fairly close game, but this one without Kirk Carissa, who hurt himself at the end of the Stanford game. And then, of course, UCLA in the championship. And you mentioned Dale and Terry. This is why when I say I'm more confident in Arizona following that term, like, I think they need Kirk Carissa if they're going to make a deep run. I do. You know, yeah. he spaces the floor. He can. He's been taking a lot better shots. His passing is very underrated, I think, by people still. The assist numbers are really good, but the ball placement he has is just terrific. His court vision is phenomenal. But... Similar to how when Azulis Tubelis had that high ankle sprain against Stanford, um, however many months ago that was, and Umar Balo comes in, and all of a sudden, like, ooh, look what they have in Umar Balo. This guy's ready for minutes, and now Arizona's a better team for it. Dalen Terry, 
or I mean, first Justin Kyer against Colorado was very good as the lead point guard. Arizona's offense, they scored 82 points still. Then the following game, Kyer's in foul trouble. You have Dalen Terry, Pella Larson basically running the point. Arizona drops 84 points and comes back in that game and wins. And to me, yes, they're a much better team with Kirk Carissa, and I hope he comes back whenever that is. Hopefully the sooner the better. But Arizona proved to me that that depth that we talk about and that you talk about, that Dalen Terry's like, Think of the more options they have. Think of how that offense can run knowing that Dale and Terry can do that, knowing that Pella Larson can do that, knowing that you can drop 84 points on UCLA basically without a point guard because Kyer was in foul trouble the whole game. Like that, to me, just shows their grittiness or resiliency in this team that we didn't necessarily know they had, but now we do. Well, and even I'll go even one step further on, the, on that grittiness, Adam. You know, Finding ways to win in that UCLA game. I mean, I rewatched the game uh, the following day on DVR, where I was a little less emotional while watching it. Um, and Wait, I actually, is that just code for I was a little bit more sober? No, it oh, okay. was less emotional. Okay, fair. But um, it's a fair question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember, uh, you know, being, shall we say, unimpressed with some of the calls that were leading to some of the foul troubles. I mean, sometimes there were legitimate foul calls and some of the, like, I think like Justin Kyra's fourth was, he was just like a half step late and it would be a right play if he was, you know, a half step earlier. But when you have three fouls, you shouldn't do that. But I, you know, I watched that game and I felt more annoyed at the foul calls. And so I, I, I say that when you, as you mentioned, the kind of the grittiness and, you know, this team knows how to not lose, mm-hmm. right? Um, like they did, they didn't have any, anything necessarily, you know, there wasn't a lot of favors done for them. I'll put it that way. And they, and they had, you know, Kyron foul trouble, Kirk Carissa out. You're running your guy who can sometimes fill, fill minutes at the four and delight my, my basketball heart and Dale and Terry running the one and guys like Pella Larson, who's, you know, development over the course of the season has also been an under understated and underappreciated thing. I think from where he was at the beginning of the year to now, and that you're beating a legit team on a on a semi-neutral court. Let's, yeah, let's we don't need to, we don't need to pretend that it was a neutral court. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know they're beating a legitimate team with the officiating that's probably on balance, not in their favor, with you know the various obstacles and challenges with injuries, and it gives you a lot of confidence. Um, but then my, my Arizona fandom comes creeps through and I say, well, we're not allowed to have nice things. So what am I missing? <laughs> well, and even like, cause I remember watching, it was like halfway through the second, I think you said went up to like nine or 10 or 11. I'm watching the game with my wife. We were celebrating our anniversary, but the cabin we were in had packed 12 network. It was really great. <laughs> and, and she's like, Oh, what's going on? I'm like, well, just like Arizona doesn't have their point guard. They're in foul trouble. You say a good team. You know, I didn't expect them to win. I wasn't going to be mad if they lost that game because the one seed was wrapped up. And given all the things that went against them, whether it's officiating or the fact that they didn't have their point guard against a good team, you're like, okay, that happens, right? And then Arizona fought back and won and run pretty convincingly. The run they went on like that, one of those death runs that we've seen so often this season where it's like UCLA couldn't stop them. And it made me think to the entire Pac-12 tournament, Arizona never played bad. You know, like Stanford played really well in that game against Arizona. Shot amazing, like the three point percentage was unreal, and they still lost. Colorado played a good game, and they still lost. You say didn't play bad either, and they lost to Arizona. And Arizona's never played bad; they played fine. Like average Arizona games are good enough to beat some pretty decent teams, is what we saw there, and that just speaks to how good this team is. And we said it last week, and I know that it's, <laughs> you know, I have a thing coming for AZ Desert Storm. We're asked to pick how far Arizona's going to go, and I totally hedged. You know, I have Arizona going to the Final Four and losing. You know, because I'm like, I think everyone's like, can Arizona have nice things? And yet, in the Pac-12 tournament, Adama Ball had a bit of a role. You know, made a couple of threes against UCLA, kept Arizona in the game. Umar Balo, the block fest between him and Coloco. Like, Arizona showed so much in Vegas. And yes, they, were, they didn't beat a team they hadn't beaten already this season. And of course, they get to the tournament, the NCAA tournament. They're going to play... I would think some new teams. I know Illinois and Tennessee are both on their side of the bracket <laughs> or in their region, but just they need Kirk Risa. But Arizona showed that it is a legitimately good team. Like, yes, early in the season, I think they were a front-running team. When things were going well, they would keep rolling that, you know, riding that wave. And when things went against them, you're like, ooh, how will they handle this? This time in the Pac-12, I think they showed that growth that, yeah, they can handle the adversity and they're good enough to push through it. And that's huge this time of year. Yeah, think back to when, 
you know, there was the Illinois game where Illinois, you know, landed a few punches and Arizona fought back. And the Tennessee game was a, 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 a you know, a brawl on the basketball mm-hmm. court. You know, and they didn't end up winning that one for for reasons partially not under Arizona's control. <laughs> um, right. But those types of things happen against but, but, Tennessee. Yeah. And yeah. And then but then you transpose that to against UCLA, a good team when you're down a point guard. And even when Arizona was down significantly, I also noticed this on the rewatch even more than I was watching it live. When they were down 11 or 12 points at one point, they looked completely calm, cool, and collected. And just, like, there's a difference between cockiness and confidence, and they have confidence, right? Yeah. And, they, they you know, they I think they believe in themselves now. Um, you know, another thing in that game, Ben Matherin, what had 27 points i think it was <laughs> and like you know he kind of he kind of was pressing a few, uh, at various points during the Pac-12 season that you know this is the guy that just won Pac-12 player of the year but he he you know he wasn't even his best in a lot of Pac-12 play games no. right and if he is peaking at the right time and you're having you know hopefully you get Kirk Carissa back Dalen Terry's never played so confidently in his entire Arizona career i would and Pell Larson uh same and then, yeah, I love your mentioning the block parties of Christian Coloco and Omar Ballo. I mean, can you imagine just being a, a fan on the other team and you're just like, what do you what do you do against that when they just keep, <laughs> you know, Ballo's the, the thickest big man out there blocking three point shots, and like, you know, how how do you how do you counter that? And if they if they don't have one of them out there on the court, they have two of them. Yeah, well, that's the flexibility that Tommy Lloyd has with his team. And you mentioned how Coloco is on the perimeter. Carding Hawkins, oh. <laughs> like, like what? And it's not ideal, but it just shows the flexibility that they have, and just how the lineups can survive without Kirk Reese. I mean, they survive without Azulus Tabellus being himself for parts of the season too. And guys stepped up. You mentioned Dalen Terry again. His three point shot was automatic in Vegas, and that he doesn't have to be make you know three or four, but he just has to make a couple to open things up, and then it also opens up the drives for him too. You know, same thing, that's why you want Pella Larson to be able to hit a three or something, because he's good at driving to the bucket. They make that three. They're a threat there, and it opens things up for Azulis Tubelz. It opens things up for a Ben Matherin and those backdoor cuts and everything, right? When you're looking at the three-point shooter, and even Coloco and Balo, they've been so good down low offensively, and I'm still just very impressed with their free-throw shooting, because sometimes you'd have bigs, you're like, oh, we'll just foul them. Well, Arizona's bigs will get you in foul trouble, and you can't just send them to the line and expect to come away with that okay. Like, Arizona made 23 of 28 free throws against UCLA, and that's outstanding for them. And I know we talked before, that's one of their flaws. They have some games where they didn't make a lot of free throws. Well, in Vegas, they did, you know? And then Vegas, even in that last game against UCLA, they had 13 turnovers as a team. That's not, and four of those were Colocos. <laughs> like, they did this with basically without a point guard. So some of the things we were more concerned about, and when I say concerned, it's nitpicking. It has been. The team won 31 games. They lost three times. You know, so it's not like we're saying, oh, this is going to be a problem for us. It's like, but if you're trying to find something wrong with them, those were basically it. And in a Pac-12 tournament, they weren't issues. It seemed like Arizona really improved on that stuff. Now, will it carry over to the NCAA tournament? I don't know. Free throw shooting, like there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to make free throws. And turnover-wise, until they play a really good defense with athletes and everything, if they're pressing, we'll see. But no, like I... I'm glad they won the tournament. If you're going to play, you might as well win. I think we all agreed on that mm-hmm. last week. They didn't need to, but the way they won, and I wish they would have had Kirk Reese. I wish they didn't have to win without him. But the way they won, to me, should just inspire more confidence in this team's potential over the next few weeks, hopefully. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, Adam. I mean, barring barring injury or just, you know, the Sam Decker <laughs> sy- syndrome. Yeah. Um, he who shall not be named. I mean, I would say that, but I just named him, so I think I ruined that. He, should, um, he who should not have been named. Fair. Um, you know, and you look at you look at the the bracket in the South that Arizona got put in. They got the number two overall seed. You know, there's it's not. I think if you look at the brackets, there's not. Uh, it's not an easy region, but it's also not a overly difficult region, top to bottom. Um, well, I mean, ten, Tennessee being in the three seeds. Maybe a little underseeded, but I think Arizona can beat them. Granted, I know they beat them in Tennessee this year, but this is a this Arizona team has developed, and they are a better team now than they were then. Well, every one of us was like, play them on a neutral court, see what happens. Yeah. Well, might get that chance. And Brett, I think we can talk about that bracket and the NCAA tournament itself. Let's let's take a break first, though, because you know we're moving along, and there's a lot to talk about still. Welcome back, and as we talked about before the break, there. 
It's NCAA tournament time. And for Arizona basketball, men's basketball, <laughs> you could have the best regular season. People are going to be like, well, how did you do in March? Did you get to the Final Four? Did you win a national championship? And this stems from, of course, not having been to the Final Four since, what, in 20 years? Um, since 2002? I think losing to Duke. Yeah. Um, on the, in the Elite Eight a few times, painful losses each. There's no such thing as, I think, a comfortable, easy loss in the Elite Eight. But Arizona's found a way to be just oh, on the receiving end of some horrible, horribly bad luck. One shot, one bounce, one call here or there. One he who should not have been named, you know, going off in a game. But Arizona, number one seed in the South region, number two overall seed, which I think after your number one, I don't know if it really matters. But when people, the bracket came out, I saw some people saying, oh, that's a really easy bracket. Arizona's going to cruise. I saw other people saying Arizona got screwed, which to me is the whole point of the bracket. Like, there should be no such thing as an easy path, even for the number one. So like, Arizona is better than every team in the South region. They are. Hot take. No, but does that mean that they should, like, there's going to be challenges along the way. You don't get to a Final Four without having to win a, a close game or two. So I have a hard time looking at the bracket and be like, oh, God, I don't have an opinion either way. Then, God, I hope Arizona gets through it. Yeah, I mean, I, the way I look at the bracket from Arizona's perspective, I, I see Villanova as the two seed, and they're probably, the of the people that got two seeds, the one I most would like to face compared to Kentucky, Duke, Auburn. And then I, But then I look at the number three seed, and Tennessee is probably the best of the three seeds. So is that, yeah, I think that lends itself to the, is that glass half full or is that glass half empty? Um, but yeah, you look at that, I mean, Arizona's already, you know, beaten beat up on Michigan early in the year when they were highly ranked. Like Houston you know? could be tricky, especially yeah. if the game's in San Antonio, you figure, but also Arizona fans travel, so I'm not necessarily worried about that. I mean, Seton Hall, TCU, there, there's actually, I feel like this year there's a lot of sneaky good teams in the 8-9 matchups or teams that could pull upsets like UNC, Marquette, San Diego State, Creighton, Seton Hall, TCU. Yeah, that's how it always is, though, right? Like, find me a bracket. Every time someone says that's an easy road for the number one seed, the one seed never makes it through, it feels oh, like. Because there's no such every time. Like, there's no such thing as an easy road. You have to win six games to win a national championship in a row. And yes, Arizona's had multiple times where they've won six straight games. You could stack their six game winning streaks on top of each other. But it's hard in this setting. You know, you have one off day or you run into one team that's extremely hot and I don't know every team in their region. I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert on Arizona's opponents or potential opponents. But unless there's a team, like I, I'm trying to think of the type of team that would beat Arizona. And it's not a team that gets hot from three because Arizona can score two. Like, it basically, to me, takes Arizona playing an absolute garbage game, which they've done all of maybe two times this season, and then playing a team that plays a good game. Like, that's how Arizona loses against until they get to maybe a team like Tennessee, who's pretty good and shown they can beat Arizona, or maybe a Villanova is also a pretty good team, but even still, Arizona is better than everyone in the South. Yeah, I, I, I look through this and I say, if you match Arizona up with any of these teams, the, the worst odds for Arizona in my mind is like, it's a 65-35 proposition Arizona should win. Right. Um, that's and, how it should be, though. They're the one seed for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, you know, it's 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 something where the most the most fascinating aspect is that Arizona has already played several teams in there in Illinois, Michigan and Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we probably know more about the teams in the of the 16 in our bracket than we normally would <laughs> because we've we've literally watched them. I mean, would Illinois, you like would you like rematches? I know like with Tennessee we all thought okay, play them again. Of course, Arizona beat Illinois on the road, beat Michigan in Vegas, but there's kind of that idea of the unfamiliarity too where they haven't seen Arizona or vice versa. Like do you would you want to see some rematches? I think with Tommy Lloyd and the way this team has developed this year, I think rematches only benefit Arizona in okay. general. Okay. Because I think, I th like, even those teams, they played Arizona earlier on in the season when Pella Larson was not who he was at the end of the season. I think he was still coming back from some nagging injuries. You know, Omar Balo is a better player. Dalen Terry's playing better. I just, I, I don't, Arizona's both really good and has gotten better over the course of the season. And if Kirk Carissa is back and healthy, well, how about that? If Kirk Carissa is back when he's, you know, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, his shot selection has gotten much more intelligent, mm -hmm. shall we say? You know, not as many off-balance threes, taking them when they're when it's the right time to, and you know, the passing is still there and the 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 moxie is still there. You know, those small things are what can be the difference between wins and losses in in March, and so, you know, I think. 
I think Arizona is going to have developed more than any of the teams they've played over the course of the season. So I think it on balance helps them if it's a rematch. I don't necessarily know if I want to see it, but I maybe I want to see it just because of what I just said because I think it increases. <laughs> but the you want to see it if Arizona is going to win, right? And I'll, I'll see even play everyone. Like I, this is where I get to with the NCAA tournament. Arizona is good. Like they haven't been this level good, a number one or a two seed since the T.J. McConnell years, where they ran to Wisconsin twice. And the first year, Brandon Ashby doesn't break his foot. Arizona wins a national championship. The second year, I just you know that that was unfortunate. <laughs> Running into he who should not have been named by you earlier in the show, but this Arizona team strikes me as being different. You know, because even those Sean Miller teams we watched them were like, well, they don't really score the basketball well. They play great defense, but if teams are just making shots. You know, even well-guarded, well-covered shots. There's nothing you can do. Arizona couldn't keep up. This Arizona team, okay, like, I'd gladly watch them get in a shot-making contest. You know, because can the other team keep up for 40 minutes and just play high-level offense, make their threes, get in transition, you know, make those shots like, over Coloco and Balo? Like, can they do it for 40 minutes? I know Arizona can. Can their opponent? And that's what makes them so dangerous here because, you know, you look at the games they lost. Tennessee on the road, a very tough environment. The officiating was interesting, but it's what happens in those. And it's the type of game where you feel like Arizona could grow from it regardless, right? Do we think that t- they can't beat Tennessee? No. And I know Tennessee's gotten better too, but nothing about that game screamed Tennessee is too talented for Arizona or a matchup problem for Arizona. Conversely, Arizona with an Umar Bala playing the way he is, with Kirk Kreese playing better, maybe with an Adama Ball coming off the bench too to make a couple of threes is a different matchup for Tennessee. And of course, they crushed Michigan and Illinois. They had a really gritty win on the road early in the season too. Like there's just, everyone scares me and no one scares me. And it's the, <laughs> everyone scares me because one loss and it's over, right? Yeah. But there's not any team where I say, at least in the Southern, say, wow, I could, I could see this being a problem matchup for Arizona. And that's a weird place to be because none of us expected to be there with this team. You know, <laughs> like when the season started anyway. Yeah, I mean, and and none of the teams that we've talked about in the past few weeks that are the ones that frighten me the most in terms of like that big physical team, the ones that maybe fit that profile are the teams Arizona's already played in like Tennessee and Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I, I'm confident Arizona in a rematch wins both of those games. You know, they're they're avoiding the Auburns, they're avoiding the Baylors. Uh, you know, I'm happy to be avoiding UCLA again because I, you know, they're, they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I was actually, it's funny. I was playing around with Adam, the, the 538 where they do the odds of every game and how far they go. Interesting factoid here in the, in the East bracket, uh, 538 has UCLA as the more likely team to emerge as the final four is the four seed <laughs> over Baylor, which is quite fascinating because I'm I you know me I'm I'm a little bit afraid of Baylor but they're you know both Baylor and Gonzaga are, we're not seen until the championship game um you know and, and in that sense you know I don't even even Auburn would be one of those teams that might frighten me but they're we're not seeing them until the final four mm-hmm. at first, right um so it's I'm cautiously confident because I believe in this team and I believe in their development and their coach but then it's to your point. It's March, and we're Arizona fans, and we have twenty-something years of uh, ingrained disappointment. Well, we're, we're conditioned, right? And we shouldn't have to be nervous this week. And Arizona's playing Wright State, who won their uh, play-in game. Like I, they're a good offensive team, but they're not Arizona level. And like that's a game Arizona plays Friday evening around four-ish, four fifteen. They shouldn't have to worry about that one. Then they would play the winner of TC Wright, Wright State. Wright State. Wright State. More like wrong state. <laughs> Then they would, assuming they beat Wright State, they'll play the winner of Seton Hall TCU to get to next weekend. And it's like Tommy Wade said, he's like, you treat it as like there's a five-game tournament, right? Like you, you just need to win yeah. two games here, two at a time, get to the next weekend, and then you really get to then you get to stress once you get to the Sweet 16, right? Like if you can make it that far, and it's like now you're playing someone who, in theory, should be able to beat you. I feel different going into this tournament than previous ones. Like, the last time was when DeAndre Ayton was there. I think Arizona was a four seed when they lost to Buffalo. And it kind of felt like a, oh, no, we don't know where this program's going to be going forward with all the FBI and CWA investigation stuff. It was like, if they don't do it with DeAndre Ayton, Alonzo Trier, Raleigh Alkins, PJC, Dusan Ristich, then we don't know when it's going to happen. Prior to that, they had the Larry Markin team. I think they were a, that was a two seed. And it was kind of like this year's team. Where it, was kind of, it was surprising how, they, how good they were. But, you know, and they lost to Xavier in the Sweet 16. And then, of course, before that, the T.J. McConnell years where they were a one seed one year, a two seed the next year. 
those teams felt like it was all or nothing. Like they should be here. Like they should make the final four. They should compete for a national championship. This one also feels that way, but it's different to me. I don't know if it's because I just enjoyed watching them play so much or because of the fact that it's a first year head coach and you feel like this isn't the, this isn't the last time they'll be in this position. The last time they'll be a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament with a roster that can win it all. Like I want them to win it all. I do. Might as well just, you're here, win the whole damn thing. But it just, I know it feels different to me right now. I mean, I say this right now, come next week, if Arizona's still playing, I might have a different perspective. But right now, I just kind of feel that way. I think, I think the reason why you feel that way and why I think I have that cautious confidence is that this roster, unlike the Lowry marketing year, or even the DeAndre Ayton year, is not nearly as superstar dependent. Ben Matherin just won Pac-12 Player of the Year. But even if he has a bad game, Arizona has proven they can still beat almost anybody, right? Um, you know, if, if Lowry Markkinen against Buffalo, or uh, not against Buffalo, that was the DeAndre Ayton year. I against Xavier. The, they lost. Yeah, Xavier. Yeah, against Xavier. You know, he got... He did not. He didn't get a shot for the last however many minutes in that game, and like then they don't function as well. Or if Arizona was, you know, not able to maximize DeAndre Ayton against Buffalo, he got kind of bullied by some of the the undersized high energy guys. You know that that knocked them off their game. This Arizona team is not one guy going off dependent to be successful, and you know offensively or defensively. The longer the game goes, the more likely Arizona is going to win. They're like the you know like the seven game series where you know if they, and the more possessions they get in the game, it just means their better defense and better offense should eventually win out, even if another team lands a few punches. And I think that's where it comes. You know that that confidence and that that feeling comes from. And m- most of this roster we think is probably going to be back next year. Yeah, and maybe that maybe that's what it is because yeah we have seen them get down. We've seen them kind of. Hang with your other teams. Hang with them for you know fifteen, twenty, twenty-five minutes, and Arizona steps on the gas, and their talent does win out. And that's that's what I keep coming back to. It's it's constructed differently than the best Arizona teams are used to. Like there isn't a one and done talent on this roster. We knew DeAndre Ayton was a one and done. You know, we knew Alonzo Trier was gone after that year. We knew Alkins was gone after that year. We knew by the time the tournament started that Larry Markin was a one and done. You know, and then of course Stanley Johnson, Aaron Gordon, guys like Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. You knew that they were not long for Arizona, and that if they didn't do it that year, they're going to have to try again, all new way the next year. And this team doesn't have that vibe, if only because there's not that. Yes, Ben is gone after this season. Coloco maybe, especially the good tournament run. And I know Ronnie said it last week. He thought Dale and Terry. Well, if Terry plays like the way he did in the Pac-12 tournament over the next three weeks. I, I wouldn't put it past. But at the same time, this it seems like a high point. But it also seems like the beginning of something here. I Maybe mean, it's because the last few years have just been so strange, so disappointing, so disheartening in a lot of ways. And this has been so much fun. And I wrote something about that for AZ Desert Swarm, too, just how like, I'm thankful for this season because it's been fun. Because the team, how it's gone through the year, entertaining style of play, losing only three times. A very likable roster with a coach who seems to be getting the most out of it. It just makes you believe that, Arizona isn't going anywhere. Like, this isn't a flash in the pan. This is Arizona basketball is going to be here to stay. This is just the beginning. But, yeah, I guess it's hard to be confident because when I've been confident, Arizona loses. <laughs> historically, like, historically, most teams are going to lose in the tournament, right? Like, every, every team but one is not going to win. <laughs> that, that math checks out. Yeah. So, to say, like, I think they're going to win, I think requires a little bit of, you know, some extra confidence. But they absolutely can win. So, I... I want them to win. I don't need them to win. I mean, I need them to win this weekend for sure. They need to get out of the first two games. But other than that, like, I kind of just want to enjoy the ride the best I can. Is that is that possible? Is that wrong? I mean, I think that's the most you can hope for or ask for as a, as a fan. I guess I'll frame it this way to you, Adam. Is there is there a round they need to reach for this to be not a disappointment or what makes it successful or what makes it be okay. Yeah. And that's what's hard because they're a one seed, right? Like anyone they would lose to up until the final four would be a lower seed than them. And you, they're going to be favored to win that game most likely. So in that way, through that lens, it would be disappointing to lose up until the final four. But at the same time, like if they make it to the elite eight and they play a really good game and somehow they get beat playing a really good game, does that take away everything we've seen? Like it'd be, and and I say this now. If it happens, I'm gonna be crushed. I know that, 
But that's the thing about this season, where just with the surprise that it was, I think lends itself to a different perspective on the tournament. Maybe. I, You're already playing with house money this season? where it's, It feels it's that way to me. Yeah. I think that's a better way to phrase it. Like, Am I totally wrong to think that? Is this just me emotionally preparing myself for them not to win? You know, kind of hedging in my own mind because I don't want to be horribly disappointed because I've been there? I mean, it's not not that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think the, the playing with house money thing applies here, right? right? And then it's such a... I think there's a few other things there, too, because they've exceeded expectations. Like, I think we, we thought that if everything clicked, this team could be really good. But I don't know if anybody, everybody expected them to be this consistently good throughout the year, where now they're clearly one of the top couple teams in the country. Yeah. Um, and I think you touched on it too. Is you know, it's Arizona basketball fans have been trudging for a number of years now, right? They've they trudged through the DeAndre Ayton season with with the with the ESPN story. They've trudged with Alonzo Trier. They've trudged through the kind of the last couple of years with the cloud over you know over the head and having a postseason ban and pack line defense and Sean Miller offense granted he loosened up a little bit was not, you know, the defense when it was great was breathtaking, but that's not, you know, as fun to watch as a team that's both really good on defense and is just as gosh, darn fun to watch. (laughs) And that gosh, darn was also for that gosh, darn Tommy Lloyd, um, you know, if, if it's Bobby Epping Hurley, it's, it's Tommy gosh, darn Lloyd. Uh, and it, it's just, it's a likable team that has a really enjoyable, fun, high flying, you know, bunch of athletes jumping around, lob dunks all over the place, getting out and running. You know, it's like watching a sports car play basketball at, at a 200 miles an hour sometimes. Right. And it's, it's, I think that is a breath of fresh air for Arizona fans, which also makes it just a lighter thing to watch and not as much of the burden of expectations. Okay. Now I don't feel so bad for feeling. I mean, and I say this knowing that a week from now, my perspective is going to be different. And a lot depends on the matchups too. Like if Arizona has one of those runs where all the underdogs, like if they have another run, like when they lost to Xavier, I think Xavier was like a seven seed or something like that year, that year, like Arizona should not have lost that game. So if Arizona gets to the elite eight and they're playing, I don't know, Let's say Loyola, Chicago, you know, like, and they lose. That's going to be horribly disappointing. Absolutely. It's all contextual. But right now, the context I see is a team that I've just enjoyed watching this season that kind of made Arizona basketball fun again, which I think was sorely needed for this fan base. And it gives you excitement not only for the rest of this season, but for the future. And that cannot be discounted no matter what happens in the NCAA tournament. I think that's fair, yeah. As you were talking that through, Adam, I was thinking through the scenario of what happens if Villanova, Tennessee, <laughs> and like Illinois all lose in the, in, the, in the second round, and then your expectations start to creep up, and you say, it's happening, isn't it? Right. And then that, then that context, that, it's that burden of expectations, right? Mm. You know, hopefully we are well-adjusted Arizona fans, but, you know, as soon as, they, as, as, soon as you start seeing that, your eyes are going to get wide, and your pulse is going to quicken a little bit and be like, it's happening. But uh, like a nice thing, maybe. <laughs> but then the, the the cold sweat will emerge when you uh, set yourself up emotionally for well, what happens when we can't have nice things? Yes, but yes. I think I think your approach is right, Adam. I think this season has just been a delight to watch, and no outcome here aside from a real real early disaster exit um, is going to take that away. Oh, they lose to Wright State. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, that, Speaking that would of that, be a though, problem. Would you play Kirk Risa? Like, I remember when Tabellis was hurt, my thought was if the training staff thinks he can play, then put him out there. Arizona should not need Kirk Creesa to beat Wright State. But if he sits and the, the unthinkable happens, you're going to be like, well, if he could have played, he should have been out there. So I don't think the unthinkable is even a, a, a possibility worth particularly spending time on. I'm, I do think that the Seton Hall TCU matchup, whoever wins out of there, will be enough of a challenge that if Arizona really drops a stinker and they play out of their mind, like that could be more of a challenge. So you're sitting Creesa on Friday, assuming they win that game, and then he, if he can go, he's playing Sunday. Here, my my, if I'm if I'm the training staff and the coaching staff, and they're like, yeah, he can play and see how it feels. 
I would probably maybe let him warm up against a, a pregame for Wright State and see how he's feeling just to get the blood flowing. You know, and if he's at all feeling any type of swelling or pain, I'd be like, okay, you're done now. Um, if he's feeling pretty good, maybe you put him in for a couple of minutes that don't matter just to try to get some, you know, live shots up and, mm-hmm. and you know, get in the flow of an offense. But max, max, max at like 10 minutes of that game. Um, and then even the, the following game, as long as that game is close, I try to put him on a minutes cap. You know, I, for me, it, it's it's what do you do to get him healthy, but also with the rust shaken off uh, before the Sweet 16 matchup, assuming Arizona gets there. That's fair. I, I can see if Arizona maybe doesn't play him, but they're up by 25 late in the second half, throw him out there just for a few minutes to run around and try to kind of any fear he may have, any concern, see if he can dribble a little bit, maybe get a couple shots up, you know, drive into the lane without, and I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to play fearful. Like that doesn't strike me as a Kirk Creasa issue, but he's he even said like he's never had an injury like this before and that he was scared that his season was done. And I'm sure when it, when it happened, we all feared that. You know, my thought, I think I, I texted you and Ronnie one word, it was four letters to my reaction to that happened. I think most people can probably figure out what that was because it's like, oh, geez, like this Arizona team, just give them the chance to be them. You know, they're a one seed for a reason. Let them be the one seed going into the tournament. If they lose, they lose. But I don't want to look back like we did. I mean, Stanley Johnson had his eye poked. You could barely see against Wisconsin in that, that one game. Brandon Ash, of course, didn't play the year before. It's like you always have that one thing, like, what if this didn't happen? What if Arizona was Arizona? If Arizona's at its best, I mean, the, the Xavier loss, that was Arizona. They, they blew it. It's a little yeah. bit more acceptable other than when you say the what if something that was not Arizona's fault didn't happen. So hopefully Creaser can get out there, especially when they need him. And they will need him at some point. Ideally, it's not Friday against Wright State, to your point, Brett, in which case he's that much more rested, maybe that much more healthy for the second round game, which would be even, you know, would be the most important game of the season up to that point. So, yeah, I I don't even know if I put him in in garbage minutes against Wright State because then it's if you're not in the flow of the the offense and you're being tentative, that's that gets a weird mentality that he has the dog mentality that I want to maintain. I want it to be real minutes, even if it's not high pressure minutes, if that makes sense, where he doesn't, you know, just don't don't go crazy on drives or something like that. Right. Or don't be, you know, err on the side of don't going for the rebound for a few plays because that's how this injury happened. And that's how you're going to land on a foot. Um, but yeah, for Arizona to go where they want to go, it's, it's a lot easier path and it's a lot more likely of us reaching the promised land. If we have Kirk Carissa that is healthy yeah. when you get to the, when you get to the bigger matchups. Well, speaking of players that are need to be healthy for teams to make a deep tournament run, the Arizona women's basketball team might be getting one of their stars back, but let's take a break and then talk about the team that came oh so close to a national championship last season. We're back here. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And, Brett, we all looked at this Arizona women's basketball team. They've struggled a little bit down the stretch of the season, but a big part of that was missing Kate Reese. She hurt her shoulder at Washington State. By all accounts, she is going to be ready to go in the NCAA tournament where Arizona is a four seed hosting UNLV on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Kate Reese's uh, separated shoulder really took the wind out of the sails of this roster. She's a crucial player on both the offensive and defensive end. And if she is in fact back and ready to go and healthy, then, you know, you feel better about Arizona uh, heading into the tournament, see if they can go on a deep run. They're getting to host in Tucson. I know my sister and her husband are going to the game. Uh, They live in Oro Valley. So they, I think they get to host the first two games Mm -hmm. potentially, Um, you know, so the good news is that, that they're hosting. The bad news is, they're in the bracket with South Carolina, who may be the best team in women's basketball and not particularly close. Um, so, you know, in terms of those, you know, we had had that bracketology kind of discussion of what's, you know, what's a, a tough lineup or uh, or not in terms of your bracket. You know, I think for Arizona, where uh, once you get to a Sweet 16 matchup, you're almost assuredly facing South Carolina, and that's going to be a tough matchup, healthy Kate Reese or not. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, at least with the healthy Kate Reese, Arizona's got a, a fighter's chance against the Gamecocks. Yeah, and the fun thing for them is, I forget what seed they were last season. I know it wasn't one of the top seeds, and they were on that miraculous run. There's no Ari McDonald this year, but Arizona has been in this position before. They've been in this position where they're, they know they're good, and they're not a high seed. They're going to be expected to maybe bow out on the Sweet 16 or whatever it is, and they know how to get through that. 
So it's going to be a confident team no matter what. Because they can look at the stretch that they finished the season with. Well, that was without Kate. Like, they know they're a better team than that. And they know if they're healthy, they're a good team. This is still a team that was top 10 for much of the season. You know, had some big wins, had some really good wins. So, you know, are they playing their best basketball ending the season? No. But that doesn't mean that they can't get on a good run right now. I think we saw that last year, too. They didn't win the Pac-12 tournament last year. You know, and then they, they go into March Madness and they make it all the way to the championship game, winning against some really, really good teams that they were favored to lose by, you know, lose to. So I wouldn't count them out. You know, I wouldn't necessarily pick them as a fair, to your point. Like, the bracket does them no favors. You know, South Carolina is arguably the best team in the country. But if Arizona is playing, you're going to have to give them a chance, at least a puncher's chance no matter what. Yeah, can I, I was I was playing around with the 538 odds for the women's bracket, Adam. Do you wonder how 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 much they believe in South Carolina? Their odds of winning the entire tournament for South Carolina is 47%, which is nearly beating the field. As a frame of reference, you know, Stanford is a, a one seed out of the Pac-12 that was one of the top teams in the country. Their chance of winning with the 538 odds is 16% as a frame of reference. That's what how it, good South Carolina is. What did it have for Arizona men winning the entire tournament? I'm trying to say if we just hate Nate Silver altogether or if we're going to be cherry-picking here. I mean, I feel like most people like to hate Nate Silver anyway. Sure, um, but they have they have Arizona as a seven percent chance to win. Uh, the most likely champion for them, as a frame of reference, is Gonzaga at twenty seven percent. And then after Gonzaga, like where does Arizona rank in there? Arizona ranks fourth, interestingly, behind Kentucky, because as I mentioned before, they have Baylor only a two percent chance of winning, which is kind of shocking. They're at like. 15 or 16. Okay, so we can just hate Nate Silver right now, is what you're saying. Like, we can feel comfortable saying Nate Silver doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, if Arizona wins, then we'll say how how smart he is. Uh, <laughs> or or we'll hate him anyway. I don't know. <sighs> uh, well, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Brett, before the show today, or the last question, we asked our listeners of Wildcat Radio 2.0 some questions. We just asked them to submit their questions to us heading into March Madness. We know there's some... Uh, Big tournament runs hoping to have happen. The Wildcat Radio, Twitter account, at Wildcat Radio AZ. We got some responses for our mailbag. Brett, what do we have this week? So the first first question is from Gary L. Freed, avid listener, at GL Freed. And he asks us, is it time for all of us to admit that our athletic director might just be pretty good in light of his hires? I mean, yes. I, I, I don't think we were ever on the Dave Hickey's the worst. And granted, Jed Fish has won a game. <laughs> but and Tommy Lloyd inherited a pretty good roster. And I think a lot of people, and this is just the way folks are, with Tommy Lloyd, it was more the way it happened. People thought they're like, oh, we like Tommy Lloyd, but we just hate how it happened. Well, I think we talked about it. It's like, there's no good way for this to happen. Like, if you wanted Shumler to stay, no matter how they got rid of him, you're going to be pissed off. You know, and it took, what, a week to hire Tommy Lloyd? That's not unheard of. Taking a week to hire a coach, do all your vetting, do all your interviews. So, whatever. They got their guy. Football-wise, of course, Jed Fish after Kevin Sumlin, you know, so, but Jed Fish looks like the right guy, at least off the field, and there's a lot of optimism, so I don't know if I'm Dave Heek, if I'm doing a victory lap quite yet, but at the same time, I think a lot of the hate that went towards the athletic director was probably misguided and kind of just using him as a pinata more than an actual, like, he has done these things wrong or incorrectly. Yeah, I think, I think, it's it's oh I'll, I'll put it this way I think it's better to be lucky than good and I don't know if we know whether Hiki and the administration is good or lucky at this point. Uh, How would you know, you know like, the difference? I us on the outside looking in I don't think you can. I, like, I it looks lucky, right? They lucked into Tommy Lloyd and they might have lucked, but in Jed Fish, no one else would have hired him. So I guess they and, maybe and, that was just being good. And Jed, I think Jed Fish was at least early returns are. Uh, you know, a gamble that might that might pay off on an unproven quantity. Captain right? Dia Barnes, I know she was pursued last offseason, so that's a big yeah. move. That wasn't, and we'll see with Chip Hale too what he does with the baseball program. I mean, yeah, and I mean, if you think back, I actually had a friend Lowe who, as well. Yeah, I had a friend who was working at the athletic department when Sean Miller got hired, and that was you know ended up with you know the top young coach at the time, and I think almost everyone was happy. But from my understanding, we, uh, you know, tripped over ourselves into not hiring uh, Tip, uh, Tim Floyd, Tim Floyd uh-huh. which would have been a underwhelming hire, I think is safe to say. Uh, and, you know, so and from what I understand of 
you know, people on the inside. That had nothing to do with competence and everything to do with a few things falling in the right way. Um, but it but it worked out uh, to, to a great extent. Sean Miller has, you know, love him or hate him. He had a fairly successful run. Granted, he never made the final four or won any championships. But, you know, it's I think to your point, it's it's early on Judd Fish. It's early on Tommy Lloyd. He's going to mm-hmm. potentially win National Coach of the Year. But, you know, sustained success is a different thing than than a one-year success. I think we're optimistic in both of those coaches. Uh, you know, I think the jury's still out on on Chip Hale. I think he's a good baseball guy. You know, how's he going to recruit? How is he going to how's he going to maintain success? I don't know. You know, at at the end of the day, whether they're uh, you know, I, I think I think he phrased it as is it that should should we admit that they might not be bad? And I think that's that's fair. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, it is. I don't know if we have enough evidence to say for certain that they are good because sometimes success can be fleeting and things can change. And so, you know, I, I, I feel better about the state. I'll put it this way. I feel much better about the state of Arizona sports today than I did in 12 to 15 months ago. Yeah. I, and that's fair. And that, that doesn't mean wins necessarily, but it means just the feelings, right? Like we feel better. And if you're an Arizona sports fan and you're, if you are, you're like Arizona athletics, you're listening to, if you're listening to us, you probably are then yes, you're probably looking at the athletics department saying, you know what, not bad. However they got there, not bad. Um, Brett, was that the only response to the Wildcat Radio question? Because I retweeted it from my account, and I just wrote, Arizona's back in the dance for the first time since 2018. Excited, nervous, confident, let us know what you think and ask away. And I got a few responses out of that. Not so much questions, but comments. So I think that kind of counts in the mailbag, right? I, I think that counts. Do you, do you, would you like me to read some of those responses, Adam? Sure, yeah. So you asked, you know, how are you feeling? Excited, nervous, confident? Because I'm all of those. I mean, that's that sounds like March Madness with, <laughs> with, with a team that you think might have expectations. Um, uh, Joshua Green, uh, at Joshua G19367959. My older brother's a bot, apparently. <laughs> I was going to say, you're, what? <laughs> you're, <laughs> my older brother, who's not a sports person at all, by the way. So for well, context here, of course not. He's a Russian bot. <laughs> um, he said, I used a random number generator to fill out my bracket waiting based on team records. According to my bracket, Arizona will win the whole thing. So if the, the computer, the, the computer's like Arizona this year. So that's good. <laughs> Well, and, and then, you know, you say the computer's like Arizona, uh, but Tom Henry at Tucson Twitchy says, the weird thing for me is the national analysts all seem to see Arizona as the favorite or as an upset special, not much in between, no matter what this team has exceeded ex- expectations. And it's, I, I like seeing that where some people are, you know, the expectations game. People are nervous about, wait, the national media are picking us? <laughs> what? We're, but we're on the West Coast. We're not. We're not in the ACC. Arizona's no longer the plucky underdog, right? Or this is like, Ooh, who's this Arizona team? Look how much fun they are. They're scoring 90 points again. Now it's like, wait a minute. They're a favorite. They could be upset. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a good team. You like nine, like 12 seeds rarely get upset. You know, nine seeds rarely get upset. A one seed can get upset. So that's a possibility here. But also there's so many people who are picking them. You're like, wait, stop. Please stop. No, let them fly under the radar. Like, yes, like one seed Arizona is flying under the radar. Okay, guys. Yeah. One, one seeds, either they either win or they get upset until you're in the final four, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and then the last response that we got from Hurleyface 2.0 at Hurleyface 2022, I mainly mentioned this for the clearly relevant hashtag that was added in. Uh, he says, nervous and confident. That's all I got. Happy hashtag vasectomy Wednesday. Was his nervous and confident for vasectomy Wednesday or for the tournament? It's a, I, I don't know if that's a good question that I want to know the answer to or not. <laughs> but I, I, I think that kind of speaks to even what Tom Henry had to and what we've been talking Like We're very confident this Arizona team is really good. They're worthy of that number one seed. They're worthy of people picking them to win the whole thing. If you pick them in your bracket to win the championship, you're not really going out on a long limb, you know? But how can you not be nervous about this? It's the NCAA I mean, tournament. They're one game away from the season ending. It's it's why we love it, right? Do it's we? That, do we love it? It doesn't love it, us. It's a really abusive relationship when you think about it. 
Yeah, but that's what brings us back. That's what makes it, you know, with without without dramatic consequences, there can be no drama, right? Um, and the fact that the best team rarely, if you know, almost never wins the March Madness tournament, you know, look at look at they have like five thirty eight. Gonzaga's at twenty seven percent. You you always take the field, right? Yeah. Um, and it's usually not even. It's not the South Carolina in the women's bracket where they're almost the prohibitive favorite against the field. That's basically unheard of, especially in modern men's college basketball. And the fact that it can end at at a, at a given moment is what makes it so great, right? And that's and that's what's that's what gets the juices flowing. That's what gets you amped up. And that's the you know it's the it, it's what makes the highs high and the lows low. Would you rather be the one seed or say like a six seed going to the tournament? I, I mean, I'd always <laughs> rather be a one seed because yeah. your team is better and you you should have an easier path to get there. But the thing is, once you get there, no matter who you're playing, the team that's lined up across yeah, your seed doesn't matter at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So and like, I'm with you. I mean, you'd rather be the better team because the one seed is favored to win for a reason. Like the one seed got to that point. You're not you don't. It's not like a lottery. Like, oh, you're the one seed now. Like, no, they earned that because they're better. But yeah. there's just expectations that come with it. That's all. And, you know, just, you know, granted, I think it's happened, what, one time before where a 16 beat a one seed. Um, it's it, the Chesapeake it, it, Bay Retrievers, I think, or the Chesapeake Re- Retrievers. They were good doggies. They beat Virginia. <laughs> sure. And then Virginia won the whole thing the next year. So, you know. Yeah. You know, I, it, to me, it's, you know, no game is a guarantee, but the one sixteen matchup is the closest thing you can get to a guarantee. And that just eliminates one round of, you know, a chance of something crazy happening and losing to a, a team that's, that you're ostensibly better than. Yeah. But once you get into the tournament, you just got to line up against them and, and, and see and see how you play and ultimately find a way to win or you go home. And that's why we love it. We love it when Arizona wins. Hopefully, Next week's show, we're talking about Arizona wins and previewing the Sweet 16 and ideally the Elite 8 matchups from there because, you know, and also the women's team too, hopefully they're moving on in their games because it's NCAA tournament season and Arizona men and women are both playing and they're both good teams that can win their games and make deep runs. So, oh God, this is, I love it and I hate it and hopefully it starts to love us back this year. It's been a while for, especially Arizona men's basketball, but Brad, I think that's going to do it for our show this week, our NCAA Tournament Preview Edition. Everyone, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. We'll put that mailbag out there occasionally, but if you ever just have a question, shoot it to us over the course of the week before our show. We usually record well, before games happen. So we'll try to answer your question there. And, of course, make sure you're subscribing to us on Spotify, on iTunes. If you find us on iTunes, give us a review, a rating, and if you leave us a review, we will read it on the air on the next show because we are self-aware and we appreciate any and all feedback. So, oh, geez, it's, it's March Madness, everyone. Hopefully, hopefully it goes well in a long time for Arizona. But, oh, geez, it's been a while, Brad. I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny to watch you experience all the range of emotions just during the last 10 minutes of this pod of excitement to horrified like at the, the potential downfalls. And- it's been four years since Arizona's done this, and the last time four years ago it did not go well. It went very quickly, but it did not go well. So I'm anticipating this one being better, and I hope it is, and I hope we're talking about it next week. So till then, everyone, enjoy the games this weekend. Arizona, their first game against Wright State, the men's team, on Friday. Arizona women on Saturday against UNLV. We'll talk about those games and what lies ahead next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>